Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank So Jamie Years ago, and this is very important that our listeners know this, maybe even go back to listen to this episode because I think it's the most directly relevant episode to this. Uh, you famously said that uh, getting stranded in space, uh, not being able to re enter properly, re entering, have to re entering the Earth's atmosphere through a tiny, like one mile radius in a rocket that was broken down, was not that difficult. Uh, and we find ourselves in another episode where, you know, someone does something incredible, or conversely, not that difficult. So I want to throw situations to you, very famous situations, or or maybe even situations from Tom Hanks movies, and I want you to tell me whether or not you think they were impressive, but were they actually that difficult, okay? Okay. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Fantastic. In Forrest Gump, where Forrest goes back into the jungle and saves all of his platoon by picking them up and running them back, was that... Like, was that actually difficult, or was that just impressive, but okay, fine? I mean, I reckon I could pick up another human being. It's not that difficult. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Uh, When Tom Hanks saves Private Ryan, all right, is it impressive, or is it difficult? It was literally the only thing he was asked to do. If he didn't do it, it would have been (laughs) falling way under expectations. It's the name of the film. I'd expect you to save Private Ryan. Thank God. What? What? <laughs> okay. And third and finally, so I just turned the sound down on my computer. Uh, Sorry, was, what, am I potentially slightly too loud for you? I've I've never been told that before. Me, no, no, no. me being my, my, too loud? No. no. Jamie, 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 baby, boobala, boobala, bubby, bubby, Jamie. All right, you are the perfect loudness. Okay, don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise, my friend. All right, you have a smooth, silky voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, that brings us uh, finally onto uh, he knows you're alone. Uh, Tom Hanks didn't die in that film and very specifically he was meant to die is that actually pretty impressive or come on anyone could not die I mean I I don't know about you Alexander but the number one thing I do every single day is not die Uh, so frankly (laughs) he can can get to fuck it's not that impressive That's a a winning streak that we all lose one day. Um, (laughs) How morbid a start for this podcast. But what is this podcast? Well, it's hello and welcome to Hanks Bank, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks' entire MDB. I'm Jamie Loxon and with me as always is my co-host Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Bonjour. I find it interesting. I've only just noticed it. Um, Throughout our friendship, I have always called you Al. and That has always been the name I call you. Uh, But on this podcast... I very explicitly call you Alexander. I don't know why. Maybe it's just a separation in my brain that 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 like separates the the podcast you from from the social you. But that means that the only time I ever call you Al on this podcast is right in my intro. I've only just noticed that that odd disparity. Here's my thing, Jamie. I'm not. Sh- I'm sure other Alexanders have had similar things in their lives. Uh, you may have had it as as I assume a natural born James. Uh, I am. But but the 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 pressure over picking a nickname uh, mm-hmm. is tough. Uh, for instance, well, we we all we all remember my 2014 phase where I went by Jim Bob. Like <laughs> these are these are, you know you you go through Jim every Bob James Jones. go through an awkward Jim Bob phase. 
Hey, everyone goes through an awkward gym ball phase. You know, as it, uh, I think it went in schools, me trying to go through... No, originally, I was given Alex. I didn't want to be Alex. I wanted to be Al. Uh, at the next school, I was Alexander. Didn't want to be Alexander. I wanted to be Al. Uh, at my next school, I went in and said, call me Al. Everyone called me Alex. Hated it. So did you went walk in university. and you can... Wait, 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 wait. Did you walk in first day and go, you can call me Al? That is what I now do when I tell people <laughs> what my name is. They're like, oh, what should I call you? I'm like, you can call me Al. Uh... And then finally at university, I went into university and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go one step further. All right. People are my, my loved ones call me Ali. I'm going to get people to call me Ali. All right. So I introduced myself at the beginning of university as Ali and uh, with the hopes that uh, that would be the expectation and then it would fall to Al as the nickname I actually wanted. <laughs> but throughout university, there was a small cadre of maybe four or five people I met in Freshers Week who just called me Ali. Um, and they're like, Ali, how you doing? And I'm like, shit, man, no one calls me that but my mum. Uh, yeah, that, that throws yeah. me off. And in fact, I, I would never think of you as an Alex. I, that, that's, all, that's odd. I would no, never. And, and in fact, before this podcast, if, if someone called you Alexander, I would also find that odd. I, I've just exclusively uh, decided on that uh, nomenclature for you for this podcast. I think deliberately to I, make that separation. Here's the thing. My Scottish family all call me Alexander. My mum calls me Alexander. Not even like when I've done something wrong, she'll just call me Alexander, and that's fine. Like so, any anyone in my family calling me Alexander, it is borderline a more intimate name for me than Al or Ali, because Ooh. I'm like it's not it's Ooh, not. You're a, saying it's more intimate that, yeah. when I call you Alexander. Yeah, Jamie, I said it's more intimate <laughs> when my family calls me Alexander. Mm, a big Catholic family calling me Alexander. <laughs> Uh, ooh, so many people at once. Um, no, it's 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 a weird one, but like very much. Here's the thing: I love Alice. I love her to death. <laughs> whoa, age- whoa! There's a, there's such an obvious butt coming at the end of this, and but I'm so <laughs> so. Excited. I really don't like North Americans calling me Alexander. Um, uh, because Alexander. they call me Alexander. Alexander. Yeah. That's yeah. And then yeah. she'll try and call me Alexander, but she overdoes the A. She'll do Alexander. <laughs> Let's say no, it's Alexander. Like Alexander, no, no, that's not my name. Just call me Al. Just call me Al. It's fine. Look, the song is right there. Just call me Al. That's that's my that's my entrance for parody song this week. Do you? Can I just ask before we move on to the rest of the rigmarole? um, Do you (laughs) ever feel what a phrase for the podcast? (laughs) Like the entirety of the podcast, you know, the rigmarole. The rigmarole. Hey, the watchamadoodabadoo. Um, <laughs> do you feel that there's going to be some point in your life, whether you like it or not, whether you where you are forced to revert back to James? Because I worry about this with Alexander, that people will just start calling me like Mr. Alexander. See, I don't I think so. And I think that's just inherent with our nicknames. Like, Al is very clearly a shortening of Alexander, whereas Jamie is different enough from or James. Alan. Like, like no, no one calls me James. No one. No one. Like, yeah. like people will sometimes ask me, oh, are you actually a James? Because there are plenty of people who just are Jamies. Like, plenty of people are christened Jamies. Very few people are christened Al. They're generally christened or... or you know, whatever the non-Christian version of that is. I don't know what... what but, you know, like, I, I don't... like. Whereas if name. if someone called me James, I would almost feel like they're not actually calling me by my name, even though it is my name. Mm. Like I, if someone said James oh, to me, I'd be like, well, who the fuck are you talking about? Whereas I imagine if people yeah, say Alexander mock, to you, when we are like, mocking you, we call you James. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's the only time. So, yeah. I. That's fair enough. I, I think I would only have to revert to James by choice. I don't think I would ever... I, however, I do inherently think of Jamie as a childish name. It's my, oh. It is my name, but I think... Maybe that's just about how I think about myself. But I think of Jamie as <laughs> okay. like a kid's name and not a grown T- adult's name. Tell you what, Jamie. Uh, I and all our dear listeners, uh, all the bankers out there can uh just have a we think of a grown-up name for jamie okay so just, <laughs> just send in what name you think an adult name for jamie would be and give it in we'll read it out and uh jamie will be uh legally obligated to change his name <laughs> to that fully and we can call him his nickname jamie um I, I here's my thing i love the name al i really love it until i think of the pub landlord and i do mm. not i because there are owls which are short for allen's uh, for, for our American listeners, there is a, a comedian called Al Murray who uh, plays a character called Al Murray, the pub landlord, who is uh, an over-the-top Cockney stereotype. Yeah, despite the fact the uh, actor... Oh, the guy himself. Oxford. Oh, oh went, yeah, went to Oxford. I mean, that's that's the fucking um, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Larry the Cable Guy is incredibly intelligent and and quite, quite yeah. literally is mocking the people that have oh. become his target audience. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? So this is a, a weird claim to fame. My mum was at Oxford, I think at the same time, definitely at the same time as Nando Nucci, and ended up like weirdly for like two meetings in a sketch group with them, hmm. um, which was a weird time. And apparently, apparently they're all very nice and very smart. And there was entirely men than her. And then she was like, this is weird and bounced, uh, losing her potential claim to fame. So, you know, really my mother needs to sort her priorities out. All right. Okay. Let's, let's, let's work on, you know, smoothing up to the future comedians uh, of power. But I think with Al Murray, it's the case that, like, he's a, he's not a, if you ever listen to him just, um, talk normally, like, he's a very funny guy. I think he just ended up with a bit that was successful and just stuck to it for way too long. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> do what makes you money. Like, no fucking shit. Um, also, that was a weird time to bring up a flex that your mum went to Oxford. <laughs> I don't know how that's a flex. That's not oh, me going I mean, to Oxford, Jamie. Very specifically, I didn't get in. All right. Yeah, it's, it's a weird time. I can't time. secondhand <laughs> flex on my mother going there. <laughs> Oh, this has been far too freeform of a conversation to uh, to open the podcast. We, of course, need to get back to our structure, Alexander. Jamie, 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 that's who we are now. We're now a conversation podcast and we occasionally talk about Tom Hanks, okay, baby? Well, of course we, we are. We should start a second pod. We should start a second <laughs> pod, which is just conversations with the Tom Hanks, like, uh, uh, tinge. Uh of course, we are the show that chronologically reviews Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. But that's not all we do here. There are, of course, aliens. Uh, we've talked about them many times before. They've come. They've invaded. They're trying to... Uh, there's a planet called Flomatron 8. It's trying to leave the United States of space through a process called Flexit. And, you know, it's taking a little bit of time. But these aliens are trying to find a replacement to join the United States of space. And so we are doing that by showing them the works of our greatest human. We've decided that human is Tom Hanks. But... As of around about four or five weeks ago, um, the aliens, they got in contact and, and they said, you know, it's it's not really working for us at the moment. You know, maybe maybe Sully, maybe this week's film Sully is going to be the one that's going to change their mind. But at the moment, they're not convinced. So we might now have to do a little bit harder. So we've had to decide on a sequel podcast, a replacement to Tom Hanks. Of course, a very, a very difficult person to replace. Um, but we're attempting it and we are therefore giving clues each week to who this person 
uh, is going to be. Thus far, my clues have been that this person uh, has never been in a film with Tom Hanks. This person has been nominated for multiple Teen Choice Awards. Uh, and this person's name has never been a top 50 uh, most popular name in the United States, which again is surprising given how popular this name, uh, how common I would consider this name. And then there was another one, Alexander. I, I can't and remember last week. I can't either, remember Jamie. my last week. Jamie, one. last week was the gas leak episode. I don't remember yeah, at all. I'm, I'm going to be very unprofessional. Get, here's El- what you can do. Ellen, Get Ellen, Ellen do you. Uh, okay, I'm immediately looking at Ellen's face, who happens to be sitting very quietly and, and, and politely in the back of this room. And she very clearly does not remember either, even though she proclaims herself to be uh, Hank's Bank's greatest fan. Um, so, so, no. There was another clue. If you want to remember what that clue is, go and listen to last week's episode. This was all a deliberate ploy to make you go back and listen to last week's episode. Um, but, Alexander, what have you been, been your clues thus far? Uh, so up until now, it's been this person was uh, is fifty foot tall and can breathe really radioactive fire. Uh, that this person was present when Dick Cheney <laughs> shot that guy. <laughs> I love that every week you just call it Dick Cheney shot that guy. Every week you could look up like the actual uh, person. You shot him with a shotgun. Um, of course. Uh, then it was that this person was, uh, I believe, arrested in the nineties uh, for falling out of a car with a prostitute. Uh, or for soliciting prostitutes. And then I think my last one was something about blood diamonds. I think it was that maybe that the was given blood diamonds by like... No, no, of course. You don't tell our audience they have to go back and listen to last week's episode. That's true. Clearly. Um, Oh, it's really going to annoy me. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. My clue was that this person was under 50 years old. There we go. Because mine are the important ones, so I really should remember them. Whoa, 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 um, yes. Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. Of course, of course. Yes, of course, not run of course being, president, being present when, uh, not being president when Dick Cheney shot that guy, that would really, really narrow this down to a pool of one. Um, no, uh, yes, this person is uh, under 50 years old. And now we, uh, I think, uh, not to, to pull the curtain back too much, I think we're around about three or four episodes away from actually really revealing the identity of this person. So... With that, I'm going to give what I think is my best clue yet. Mm. And 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 I'm hoping there will actually be some people who will who will message us. You can either message me at Jamie P. Logson or Al at Al underscore underscore stuff or message us at Hank's Bank Pod um, if they figure this out. But this person has a connection to William Shakespeare. Now, Alexander, you know who this person is. Is that not a fantastic yeah. clue? Um. I think it's maybe too fantastic a clue. It, it, right? it may be too fantastic, but I think... Away, Jamie. But no, All but right. I think you're only saying that because right, you know Jamie. who this person is and secondly, because of we're the kind of people we hang Jamie, out I'm with. I'm going to say it now. I'm going to say it now. We, guys, we are reviewing every filmed version of Hamlet there is, okay? <laughs> we're starting back from the 1920s and we're watching every version yeah, of we are, Hamlet. We are choosing Jamie Hamlet. Jamie Dutrosi Hamlet. loves Hamlet. Yeah. And famously, Hamlet was present when Dick Cheney shot that guy. Yeah. And weirdly, Hamlet is not in the top 100 girls' names or boys' no. names. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you, might have, give, I think you might have accidentally given a real big clue there, Alexander. No. <laughs> no, you totally covered it. You totally covered it fine by going girls' names and What's boys' that? names. Right. <laughs> Uh, no, of course, of course, that wasn't a clue at all. Uh, please give your actual clue that will be much more helpful. Okay, uh, 
So, of course, uh, everyone remembers that Sully sent 2016, so I thought to myself, what was this person doing in 2016? Uh, other than, you know, being around with Dick Ch- Well, Dick, that was a while before. Yeah, well uh, this before person, that. Well, well, it turned out, uh, everyone knows the Axis Hollywood tape of Donald Trump, uh, which came out in 2016. Jesus Christ. Um, this person was in the room uh, <laughs> while Donald Trump was making these statements. In the room? I think you mean on the bus. It's very famous on, on a bus. Well, it's, it's a room on a bus, all right? It's, it's confusing, all right? It's, I, I don't know. It's a bus room. I, I don't think they were on the bus. on a bus and gone, they were taking what a shit. spacious Jamie, room. They were, you're right, I apologise. They were taking a shit on the bus <laughs> while Donald Trump was saying that is uh i would like to again say this is allegedly uh this is not a libelous podcast i am currently already in a legal battle with my landlord i would not like to get in one with my with with our uh uh current potential uh sequel to thanks bank oh goodness gracious so of course please do message us if you think you know who is taking a shit on the access on plus <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. It's impressive. Um, they're like the Forrest Gump of 20, 20th century events. Right, late 20th century events. Yeah, they're just, just every single... <laughs> this is the sequel to Forrest Gump. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, goodness gracious me, let's get back on track. Uh, for people who have listened to this podcast before, of course, <laughs> before we dive into the film, which this week is Sully, colon, subtitle, Miracle on the Hudson, released in 2016, we give you a little bit of historical context and a little bit of show context or film context. What was going on in the world when this film was released and what was going on behind the scenes with this film. Um, Alexander, you are tasked with 2016 this week. Obviously, next week's film, uh, Inferno, was also released in 2016 And I already covered last week two major events in 2016, that being Brexit and the election of Donald Trump, so that we wouldn't have to talk about them this week. Obviously, you've managed to sneak it in with the Access Hollywood tape. But what else happened other than uh, the Access Hollywood tape in 2016? So, uh, and one second. Uh, And this is very important. Um, I am basically going to leave you all of, for the most part, pop culture to deal with okay. next week. Yeah, okay? I can do that. I'm being nice. Normally we're not very nice. Sometimes we do the quizzes. Clearly we were both tired to do too, 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 to do a quiz. Oh, uh, so instead I'm going to kind of uh, talk about memes or memes. things that I think are memeable. <laughs> oh, sorry. Except wait, for, wait, 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 wait. For, how, is, how is memes not pop culture? You're like, oh, I'm going to leave you pop culture. Oh, I, I thought you meant you do like the new, like the major historical events and like politics. You're like, oh no, I'm going to do memes. I'm going to do some meme stuff. So okay. I say that. There's maybe like one meme in here. Uh, so very <laughs> importantly, sake. what happens in 2016, Jamie? The Olympics. That's right. Everyone remembers the Rio de Janeiro Olympics. Uh, famous for the Zika virus uh, at the time, which terrified <laughs> everyone. Remember that, guys? That was scary. Oh, oh. man. Uh, but none of the athletes got Zika virus. Uh, the pools turned green. That yep. was kind of yep. hilarious. Very, I very distinctly filmed, remember that. Obviously, it took place during Rio de Janeiro's winter. Uh, for the Summer Olympics, which is interesting, but sure, you know, that happens. Uh, there was, and that's, I never really thought about that. That's a weird bias we have towards in Summer Olympics. It's just like, it's going to take place in August and it's summer. Deal with it, Southern Hemisphere. Uh, also, most importantly, the UK did better than the year before. 
but then the time before, so obviously in the uh, 2012 Olympics, uh, we came third overall, I'd be to the USA, China, and then us. And that's normally to be expected, right? You get a boost normally from hosting it. It's a home crowd advantage. Your government's going to put in a lot of money into all the programs to try and make sure you do better. And also, I think generally you're able to enter in more athletes in more events just because you have less issues with travel and things like that. Exactly. We did better in Rio. We came second in Rio, which is... No, we beat China. All right? Crazy. Also, uh, fun fact, Russia got banned from it because uh, they had been doing a shit ton of doping. And if you're interested in that, uh, go watch the uh, really quite good documentary, uh, Icarus, uh, which is... uh, I'm trying to think of the best way of describing it. It's not my favorite documentary in the world, but in the process of making a weird other documentary, they stumble upon a very, very, very big story. And it's an interesting look at that kind of process of someone falling in on a massive story. Um, specifically Russian doping. Outside of that, in terms of pop culture, of course, uh, El Chapo was ca- captured. Uh, this kind of a meme <laughs> kind of thing. Jamie, do you remember the story of El Chapo getting captured in 2016? I, I remember it. I don't remember the details, but I remember it so, happening. In October uh, the year before, Sean Penn had gone to interview him for uh, Rolling Stone. And El Chapo, if you don't know, was the uh, most horrific and largest drug lord in the world. He'd escaped from prison like three times by bribing the guards. So the question was, one, how the hell did Sean Penn find this guy? And two, was Sean Penn finding this guy directly related to this guy getting captured? Uh, To which the Mexican government said, yes, 100%, Sean Penn was the reason why this guy got captured. Now, Sean Penn is later, uh, you know, denied this. He said, oh, it's not my fault. I don't trust you, Sean Penn. I reckon it's your fault. That's entirely allegedly. Please don't sue me. I'm sure you might be libelous. You're Reminds a... me of how weirdly uh, Dennis Rodman, the NBA star, was like just real good friends with Kim Jong Un for no fucking reason. Either yeah. Kim Jong Un or Kim Jong Il, one of the two. Uh, I but yeah, Kim Jong-un, but yeah, weird, very, so very, weird. very odd, very odd. Uh, outside of that, we have our, my last two things. Uh, of course, 2016 was the year of Pokemon Go. That's right, oh. Jamie. Pokemon, go to the polls. Go to the, I was about to do the exact same fucking joke. Oh, Jesus. Um, I, I would like... I, I do have uh, a relevant story about uh, Pokemon Go, which was um, I, around about three weeks before uh, the pandemic hit, had just got back into Pokemon Go. Because oh, so I was like, I was trying to get out and do some more walking and stuff. And I was like, hey, I'm actually kind of enjoying this. It's good fun. And then boom, nope. You are never leaving the house again. Your Charmander yeah. can go eat a dick. Ah, uh, 100%. Uh, Pokemon Go is, so it's kind of weird how Trump got elected uh during the pokemon go year uh and yet when he leaves no one is able to pokemon go anywhere all right that <laughs> it's 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 traumatic but it was and i think if anyone forgets a, a brief summer of wonder where pe- everyone was going outside oh it was it was nerds huge. were getting fit it yeah. was great um it was notoriously you know they were dealing with a lot of bugs at the time so you had weird things like pokemon stops at auschwitz all right that was poorly chosen. They shouldn't have done that. Uh, people kept walking into traffic because they were idiots. That was really funny. Uh, also, when I was in LA, uh, the local STD clinics had a lot of billboards themed around Pokemon Go. <laughs> I think it was like Pokemon Get Yourself Tested or something. <laughs> Dude, like, that's horrible. Or like Pokemon Go Away STDs. It was like... <laughs> okay, and finally, Jamie, though, it comes down to it. I have to ask you. You got to th- don't. You can't look anything up, all right? You can't okay. cheat. Okay. 
if I had to ask you what the biggest meme of 2016 was. The biggest meme? Uh, I'm... I, I'm gonna guess, like, Pepe the Frog? Mm. Be- one, there's a very good documentary uh, called Feels Good Man, or and about Pepe the Frog and the whole that kind of whole alright thing. I think everyone should go watch it. That's a recommendation. Go do so. Uh, but not Pepe the Frog. Okay. Of course, Jamie. The biggest movie in 2016 was Harambe. Oh all my right? God! Was that was that 26? Jesus Christ! That was 2016. Uh, oh so God. for people who don't know, because maybe you were. I'm sorry. Th- I, I I refuse. <laughs> to believe that there is anyone listening to this podcast that was not of cognizant age a child, <laughs> when, when a, Harambe happened. A child fell into a gorilla enclosure. The gorilla went over to the child. And remember, gorillas are fucking huge and can kill adults, uh, let alone small children. And so the guards in the enclosure had to make the decision to shoot the gorilla to save the child's life. Um, this turned into the weirdest meme humanly possible. People yeah. were so mad about this. And, you know, they should be mad that there weren't better protections around the enclosures for, to stop children from falling in. But uh, that 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 is... You will find out why. Interestingly relevant to this week's film and some of the film context uh, I have. And I will explain was why. Was he Rambe on the plane? <laughs> no. Was he on the you plane? Fuck. Little baby no. um, But let's, let's move on and talk a little bit about this film. Sully, Miracle on the Hudson, released in 2016, directed by Clint Eastwood. Obviously, before we dive into it, uh, we normally give a little bit of plot summary, although that shouldn't be too difficult with this one because, again, I would assume most people remember this event. It is based on um, Charles Sully Sullenberg. Charles? No. What's his name? No. Sully Something. Sullenberger. Yeah, but he's got another first name. Chelsea. Chelsey Sullen Sullenberger. Um, yeah. No, his Sully, Sully is... is no, but his first name is not Sully. It's a it's nickname of his... His name He's is Chelsea, Sully quote, Sullenberger. Sully Sullenberger. The Sully comes from his surname. His name is not Sully Sullenberger. That would be a really dumb Jamie, name. That would be like if I called you Captain Joe Jones, all right? Yeah, it would be really dumb. Um, yeah. So, yes, uh, uh, based off of uh, Chelsea Sully Sullenberger, who in 2009, uh, mm. after having collided with some Canada geese, uh, had to land his plane on the Hudson River, saving all 155 people uh, on the uh, on the plane. And it follows yeah. both those events plus the subsequent uh, investigation into the crash. Um, Jamie, I need to stop you there. Yes. Now, you called this title Sully, Miracle on the Hudson. Yes. Which is fair enough, and definitely how I've seen it stylized places. When I went to download this film, it just popped up as Sully. So yeah. is it just the case that it has two names? It's just often shortened to Sully because why the fuck would you call it by its subtitle when it's very obvious just called Sully? Everyone knows. Uh, Jamie, I for one refuse to call Birds of Prey or Harley Quinn's fantabulous <laughs> emancipation. Oh, the fantabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn. Anything other than Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn. Okay. Thank you for cool proving my by point. This, uh, um, it is based on uh, the memoir by Chelsea Sullenberger called Highest Duty. Just call him Sully. Um, yeah, I'll call Just him Sully from now. Sully. I'll call him Sully from now on. Um, yes, uh, by the uh, autobiography slash memoir uh, by Chelsea Sullenberger, uh, which was released. Sully, Sully. The, I, I can't. I'm, I'm stuck in it now. Um, released the same year as the event. Um, I don't know if you know much about uh, books and memoirs and autobiographies, but they generally take. <laughs> no, Jamie, than... like you, I cannot read. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. But they generally take slightly longer to that and that to write if they're not a cash grab. Anyway, uh, it was oh. immediately optioned, um, but obviously did, was not made until 2016. It, of course, stars Tom Hanks as Sully. Uh, it stars Aaron Eckhart, which many people will know as Two-Face from the Dark Knight film. Uh, he plays the... Um, the co-pilot, Laura Linney, plays uh, Sully's wife. Holt McCallany plays another um, man in the uh, pilot's union. Many people know him as the other guy from Mindhunter. Uh, Anna Gunn, who is Skylar from Breaking Bad, plays uh, one of the prosecutors from the wanted. NTSB, um, who are the governing board, uh, along with Mike O'Malley, who, if anyone has watched The Good Place, is the guy with the frogs. Uh, he is the uh, other guy. Jamie, he's also yes. in Glee as Kurt's dad. He is also in Glee as Kurt's dad. Um, this movie runs at 96 minutes long. Uh, we will get into perhaps why it is such a short film. Um, right. It debuted uh, at Telluride Film Festival uh, with a $60 million budget and made $240 million back. Uh, it had a huge opening weekend um, with a $35 million domestic opening weekend, which is the second bi- biggest ever um, Clint Eastwood uh, release behind American Sniper. Uh, and it is the third biggest non-animated Tom Hanks opening weekend. What do you think the other two are? Opening weekend. Opening weekend. Opening weekend. Not, not, it is, it is around like 13th in, in highest grossing of Tom Hanks films. But opening weekend, it is the third biggest oh, crap. non-animated. Da Vinci Code? Da Vinci Code is number one at $77 million. Here's the thing. I want to say Forrest Gump. Nope. Or Saving Pro Ryan. Nope. Um, but I didn't say either of those because I, <laughs> I want to say. Of course, of course, of course. Uh, is it Apollo 13? It is not. It's fucking Angels and Demons. Da Vinci oh, Code and Angels and oh, Demons are his sake. two biggest opening weekends outside of the All Toy right. Story films. Jamie, I need to stop. You idiots. Went out there, you saw the first one, you're like, you know what? I want more. And okay, fine. We'll admit it. Angels and Demons is better than Da Vinci Code. Slightly. That doesn't make it it's good. Still- not good, all right? If I, I'm, I'm so not looking forward to doing Inferno next week. That's bad. If I took a shit, up, a shit on a plate and put a chocolate bar in it, you know, that's slightly better because I guess it's a chocolate bar, but the chocolate bar is still covered in shit, all right? Don't eat that crap. We'll do that for you. We will suffer through the damn brown films <laughs> yeah. for you. Uh, um, so here is how uh, it is slightly connected to so I have I have two fun facts one is not a fun fact and then one's a fun fact um, so this is how it's slightly connected to uh, Harambe um, did you know that since the uh, 2009 uh, Hudson River incident uh, the New York City uh, local council have been regularly capturing and slaughtering geese ever since this incident to stop it happening again and I don't want to quote the numbers, but they are in the five figures. It is it is horrifying to read this on the Wikipedia page. I, I hate to say this. Uh... Are you going to say good? No, I feel that. No, no, what I mean to say, sorry, I hate to say this. I feel that's an international incident in waiting, all right? These geese are from Canada, as you will know. The Canadians, uh, they love they them are Canada geese. geese. If they knew they were slaughtering in the five figures of these geese, I cannot believe there would be anything other than a full-scale invasion of New York. I mean, you know what? I would hope that the Canada government has access to Wikipedia. Like, if I can access... It's not like this information is hidden. I didn't go on an investigative journalism journey. I read it on Wikipedia. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jamie, this thing goes way deeper than you even know, all right? And don't play down your own investigative skills. 
Uh, of course, we are the guys, if you don't know, we're the podcast who summarizes Wikipedia each week. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Kate. I watched an interview with Sully Sullenberger for this film. Thank you very much. Oh, man. Um, uh, you know what I did, Jamie? I rewatched um, some clips from uh, one of them, a rom-com you might like, Friends of the Benefits, starring, of course, Mila Kunis and... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, do, do not... Yep, I, I know what you're going to talk about because, you know, no, no, don't talk about that just yet because okay, cool, I may cool. I may agree with one of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, my final fun fact is that this uh, film is banned on most airlines, obviously, but Virgin Airlines do allow it because they, quote, think it uh, they want to allow it to celebrate the fantastic skills, training and dedication of airline pilots. And you know what? I get what they're going for, but considering, and we will get onto this, how many fucking plane crashes are, in the, are depicted in this film? Maybe don't play it on a plane, even if the message is Sully was a quite good pilot. Um, anyway, that's that is my information on Sully Miracle on the Hudson. Let's dive into this film. Uh, this film starts as all good films should with only two vanity plates. I'm was, now tracking them. <laughs> I want Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. All right. You're stealing my friggin' I am bits, stealing, all right? I am stealing your bit, but only so I can talk then, about the vanity plates. <laughs> I know. So let me see how this film actually begins, which is with a very, 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 very short clip of a plane crashing into the yes. Hudson River. Yes. Or making see, a water landing no, into the water. Yes. No, no, it doesn't. That It very expressly doesn't make a water landing. It crashes into a bunch of buildings. Oh, it does. And it it's does. a CG plane, and we were watching it, and it was oh, flying really low down, like, in between buildings and stuff. And I was saying to my girlfriend, like... I'm pretty sure it wasn't that death-defying. Like, I'm, fa- I'm fairly sure he wasn't, like, weaving between fucking buildings. And then he suddenly wakes up. Tom Hanks suddenly wakes up. I'm like, ah, the film got me. The, the, the pesky devils. Um, but if you if you weren't ready to watch uh, around about eight plane crashes over a 90-minute period, maybe you will be now after it immediately opens on one. Here's my um, thing, Jamie. I've got to stop for a second. There's not that much plot in this film, so it's no, fine. There isn't. Our no, stopping there isn't. is not going to be a problem. Normally, when we stop, we're like, oh, Jesus Christ, it's going to go forever. This will be okay. Um, how much does this film cost to make? Uh, this film costs $60 million to make. Okay. So double the budget million of our previous film. Other than this, you pay Tom Hanks $10 million. I don't know what his asking price is. You pay him a lot of money, all right? Probably, probably Aaron... 10 20 something like that, yeah. Not, I, I, I reckon 10 you get you give Aaron Eckhart, you know, a little bit of cash, some of that good Dark Knight money. You're like, all right, cool. We know you're Two Face. Of course, we we need to know this character has two sides to him, so we'll cast Two Face. Sure. Outside of that, you think, well, let's spend as much money as we can on the plane special effects. Yeah. And yet they do not look good. No, no, no. The the C, the CG, especially especially like the dream sequences, like some of the when they're like. Uh, obviously as they do like four times dramatizing the actual crash in the hudson it's not too bad but there's dream sequences where it's like imagined and and they're they're not good the cg is bad um anyway uh so yeah we've got we've got sully he wakes up from his nightmare he's not having the best time weird weirdly yeah weirdly he was just in a plane crash and he's he's a bit we don't know that yet jamie spoilers spoilers i mean i've already i've already said exactly what happens in this movie um but yeah so he's he's getting up ready for his day and he goes into uh a meeting um him and uh, and then he goes he, he goes for a run and then goes for a meeting um 
and yeah, him and Aaron Eckhart, who was his co-pilot, uh, are sat there uh, opposite some people who are asking him some relatively routine questions uh, initially that seem quite simple along the lines of, oh, so what happened? You know, you had an engine out, blah, blah, blah. And then towards the end of the scene, it ba- we basically get the setup for the entire plot of the movie, which is uh, they start to go, oh, but could you have landed at LaGuardia? Or could you have landed at, it's not Telluride, it's not Toledo, it's... It's Toledo, isn't it? No, Toledo's a place in Spain. Um, it's oh. another one. A, a, another one. There's another... That they're like, um, could you have landed here? Like, we've run some simulations, we reckon you could have. And he's like, no. And and there you go. We've got the entire plot of the film. The, these these uh, NTSB uh, people are like, we reckon uh, this was actually an unsafe maneuver and you risk people's lives. And Sully is like, I don't think so. I think I did the right thing. But maybe I did wrong. Um, we could basically skip to ratings right now because that's the entire plot of the movie. But uh, yeah, let's, let's rush through it a little bit. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to stress. I'm trying to find out what bloody airport this is. Because um, it's not Newark. Uh, anyway, it's so... Not Newark. It begins with T. Other, other I can't than, remember it. Other than this, um, li- literally going through the, the pace at a bit of a uh, clip, um, that kind of yeah, continues. He, in yeah, one plot, ta- simultaneously, taps- people yeah. love Sully. People freaking love yes. Sully. They're going up to him, they're hugging him, they're kissing him, they're saying, hey, your mum's nice. They are, yeah. you know, simultaneously in the investigations, they're being like, did you drink beforehand? No. Did you eat beforehand? Yes. Uh, are you having trouble at home? Well, no more than anyone else. Does that sound like maybe a, a potential interesting area of drama to make out of the film? Not really. Yeah, happen. yeah. Like, like they say that in that first scene, and then I turn to Alan. I was like, "Oh, he's going through a divorce, isn't he?" And then the next scene is him chatting very happily to his wife, and his wife being like, "You're amazing," um, and him being like, "Oh, what if I got it wrong?" We also then have one of my one of the weirdest scenes. So. Just one of the weirdest lines. He and Aaron Eckhart, they, they, it's like 1am and they call each other and like, hey, I can't sleep. Do you want to go for a walk? And they're going for a walk and having pilot chats of like, oh, isn't this terrible? And then in the middle of this scene, Tom Hanks just goes, do you want to start running? And then he goes, yeah, sure. And then they just start running. I don't know about you, Al, but whenever I'm walking with my friends along the street, I've never, ever gone, do you want to just start running? <laughs> Is that what we should do right now? Should we just start moving faster? Um, so that's one of so, the weird, one so of the weird dogs. Eventually, you know, he's getting into the kind of news. Uh, yeah, often being interviewed, we see him on Letterman and stuff, uh, which he's is a, is true to true to like so the real Sully Sullenberger was on every fucking news channel uh, for like a mm-hmm. week um, after this but happened. All this time, so so New York clearly, you know, New York, the city of New York knows yes. that this man is a hero. They see the hero heroism in him, but yes. the evil FAA needs to investigate the fact that there was a plane crash. Yeah. Ooh, boo the FAA, fuck him, Jamie. It's fuck the, N- it's it's the NTSB, I believe, but yes. No, it's the FAA. Uh, it's the Federal Aviation Authority. I'm I'm almost one. They literally, they literally at one at, to, at the end they go to a big building which says Department of Transport FAA Federal Aviation Authority. The, the, but the actual people doing the investigation are the National Transportation Safety Board. It is the NTSB. It is said that, that many may be times. a part that may be a part of the FAA. It may be, but, but these people are from building. the NTSB. <laughs> they go into look, a building. I don't, look, look, Alexander. Every FAA. single every single week we I, argue about acronyms. Every it's such we need to stop arguing about acronyms. All right, so. all right, fine. Um, Jamie, that's what people are here for. They're here for the acronym talk. All right, yeah. guys. Do you like do you prefer acronyms or initialisms? Who knows? I, to be uh, fair, I think that's uh, initialism. Let's get anyway. to the first the 
basically around about half an hour into this film, after this little back and forth, the uh, NTSB uh, have made it clear, like, we've run some simulations. We've run simulations that have said on a computer that you would have been able to land. And also, we dispute that both engines were out. One of the, like, according to our reports, one of the engines could have still worked. And we've had those discussions. And then around about half an hour in, we get a the first depiction of the events of January 13th, uh, 2009. There will be about four of them. Um, But this one uh, is, we get various different perspectives, basically. This first one is with the air traffic controller. So we we meet some of the um, people getting on board the plane, and we see some of the people that we'll come back and meet later, the people who um, would eventually be uh, the people who had to be evacuated off the plane. Uh, And then they take off, the birds hit, and then we cut to the conversation with the air traffic controller, who is, I want to call him out because I think it gives a brilliant performance, Patch Dara. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so we see uh, from Patch Dara's uh, perspective, him talking to Sully and just being like, trying to get him being like, okay, you've got, uh, we've got, you know, uh, runway 13 open at Newark. Uh, that's seven miles to the left. We've got this runway free at Telluride, whatever the fuck it is. Um, Tenton or Trenton. Oh, something like that. Um, and, and, you know, and keep on being like, okay, okay please come. And all he's hearing through is, uh, I don't think that's going to be possible. Uh, we might land in the Hudson. And eventually on his board, the 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 signal for, for Tom Hanks' plane just disappears uh, over the Hudson. And clearly this guy thinks that that he's lost the entire plane, that the plane's gone down and it's gonna, he's going to get a report. And he gets taken away from his chair being like, look, you're going to have to go sit down because clearly that's a procedure for when uh, someone who's in air traffic control is controlling when a plane goes fucking down and they feel like it's their fault. Um, I'll I'll yeah. loop back around to this, but I think this, I'm this not, is I'm a really... Sure, Jamie, a... I'm not sure it's whether or not they feel it's their fault. I think it's just if you're on... If a yes. plane goes down and you're the person talking to it, I think you're... So they, they do... They're like, some interesting stuff where they're like, you're going to have to do drug tests, you're going to have to do like breathalyzers and stuff, they're going to do side tests on you because... You know, they want to make sure he was sober at the time. Of yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just we'll, we'll loop back around to this, but I just think that that scene in particular is, is very, very effective. And, and the guy doing the performance is very, very good. It's it's uh, it's it's interesting to see a a person affected by a tragedy that you wouldn't expect to think of. You wouldn't mm-hmm. expect to think of the um, the person running the air traffic control as being affected by this. But of course, they would be. Um so yeah, he's lost contact, and then that's that's the end of our first uh, first run through of <laughs> of this uh, landing on the Hudson. Um, we then get a very odd scene where we learn that Tom Hanks as Sully was previously a military pilot, uh, and it seems he also has had another military like an, a crash landing or an, an emergency landing when he was yeah. flying a fighter jet at some well, point. Well, there's there's also beforehand an even earlier scene where. So we have, we have two flashbacks in the entire film, I think, other than the kind of central flashback, or central flashback, you know, to the event. One is to, um, when he's a kid and he's learned to fly a plane, and yes. the guy says, no matter what happens, you fly the plane. The second one, as you said, flashback to his time in the military, uh, the engine goes on one of his, or whatever, something's happening with the plane, his co-pilot says, cool, we need to eject, he goes, no, I can land it, and then very wobbly, like, the plane is is very wobbling, uh, goes into land and they successfully managed to land the plane. Yeah. Jamie, I don't, I don't know if that's was... true. No, I, d- I don't think that's an actual event that happened. No, no, no sure. So if it's dramatization, okay, sure. But I find it interesting how 
And I assume it's because the US military really likes learning out its stuff to filmmakers. So the filmmakers can, you know, <laughs> like, hey, the military. But sure. This looks really good. This yes, plane yeah, yeah. bit. Plane bit yeah, this plane great. bit looked great. This plane bit did look great. I will I will accept that. Um, so yeah, it is it is odd, the disparity in some of the CG stuff. Also, we then get... in this, you had a young Tom Hanks uh, flying the plane, of course. I, I think yes. it was a de-aged, like de-aged. Yes, de- well, I think it's de-aged, but they've just stuck a helmet on him so you can't really see his hair or anything. Um, uh, we then get one of the strangest se- uh, scenes in this film when Sully yeah. goes to a bar. Uh, and he meets. Uh, no, no, actually... no. This was this was at the bar. So the uh, the the central flashback happens while he's at the bar. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so it but... starts and ends there. And at the yes. beginning, sorry, you were going to say the weird thing about the like everyone's like, "Hey, Sully!" Yeah, hey, it's Sully. Um, we we will we will come back round to how this is the most fucking New York film you will ever <laughs> fucking watch. But yes, the bartender who happens to be played by Phoebe's cop boyfriend on Friends, um, they're like, "Oh my God, you're Sully, right? Hey, how's it going? This is a terrible New York accent. I apologize. How's it going? Oh yeah, the day after you had that crash, we made a new we made a new drink after you. Yeah, it's called it's called the Sully. It's a bit of Grey Goose with a splash of water. <laughs> you get it? Are you trauma? I hope not. Anyway, have this Sully drink. And then two other guys who were just sat there go, Hey, it's Sully. Hey, look, it's Sully on the TV. And it's also Sully here. Sully's everywhere. I don't get the point of this fucking scene, but I did find it hilarious. Um, so yeah, these these very, very aggressively New York people. Um, we then get our second depiction of the crashing on the Hudson, this time from the perspective of the passengers so uh we see the crash again and we are seeing like boats nearby like seeing the the plane fly over being like oh and like again an aggressively new york man uh driving a boat sees a plane fly over and like land in the water and he's just like oh geez get the rescue ladders shit <laughs> like it's we... just so chill so i want to light some of these stories of the, of the kind of um uh, the actual crash, just because I, I, the, a couple of the bits I really love. Um, people are made to kind of jump. You know, the people are on the plane, they're kind of made to evacuate the plane as it begins to fill out with water. Yeah. Um, one guy I think is just told to jump into the water. Yeah. Which he does. I think they thought there was a raft there or something. I'm not quite sure about this because everyone has to have a raft. I think the, I think the plane is pitched, so the the head of the plane is is too it's, high. Up, it's higher. Yeah. So, so the, the, the water is work. flooding in from from the back. Um, yeah. So. Everyone else is just going onto these rafts. <laughs> onto, the, onto the rafts or the jumps. wings. And this, this guy, guy just is jumps told to jump in. They're like, jump in. He jumps in and then no one jumps in after him. Yeah. So he's gonna, he starts trying to swim for New York. <laughs> yeah. And remember this. So this comes back later. This is January in New York. Uh, the Hudson is fucking freezing. Um, yeah. But yes, so they all get onto um, the plane. And this is where the the um, New York as a character comes into this uh, because you know we're New York we're built different and we just we just deal with shit like this and so everyone bands together and hey. fucking fucking six boats appear out of nowhere and they're all there immediately a helicopter turns up with four blokes in scuba gear how did it get there who knows um, uh, and yet yeah, so and I'm not I'm sure actually similar things happened to this and the people who responded to this event are, are for many of the reasons why uh, so many, uh, why all the people survived. So I'm not mocking that. This film is just no, aggressively no. New York. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, not even, it's, it's like aggressively, you got 90 minutes and like Clint Eastwood wants you to know that this happened in New York. In like New York. How, 
yeah. so of course that happens. There's another woman who's on the wing of the plane with everyone else and is like, it's not it's sinking and jumps in again. Yeah. I, I appreciate that rogue. Yeah. That's kind of um, about it. Like that's Yeah, we, all... yeah, every, everyone gets onto the shore, everyone's saved. Uh we get uh there was a family that we met earlier of like a father and son. Clearly they got uh split onto different wings of the plane and so they're calling each other and we have a very weird scene where they're like can you believe it dad the plane crashed in the river (laughs) they're just i mean i get it's trauma but it's not very good acting um um, and i don't like a lot of the acting in this film yes other than tom hanks yes tom hanks everyone is really weird i tell i tell you who's Really surprisingly bad. We probably won't talk to her because her character isn't very good. But Anna Gunn, uh, the one who plays Skylar, who is brilliant in Breaking Bad, is flat as fuck in this film. I think it's a character choice to make her seem like all I... uptight and and you know uh, administrative. But yeah, she's she's not good. Um, anyway, yes, Tom Hanks is saved. He gets uh, taken to a hotel. He gets hugged by a hotel worker, being like, "You're a hero!" Wah. Um... <laughs> Uh, and then it's, I, you know I'm really impressed that like Mario was helping them you know yeah <laughs> uh, and we get basically set up for uh, what is going to be the last half an hour of this film uh, which is the the court uh, case it's showing court. it's not even a court it's not even a court it's, the the, the presentation Tom, of the simulations they, they, they yeah Tom well, yeah, it, so basic Tom Hanks basically gets told like he he here's something that says time here's the word time and then he goes oh time um and then he calls up like his boss and is like hey i want real people to run these simulations like they've they've run the computer simulations i want a real person to run it so we go into the court uh and they run the simulations with the pilots uh going both to laguardia and to telluride or toledo or uh or turkey um i'm fairly sure it's not trenton but uh, okay it might be trenton um I'm I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Turkey, but whatever. Um, so uh, yeah, and they run those simulations and they land, and um, then Tom Hanks just goes, "Can we be serious now?" And why why does he want people to be serious, Alexander? Point of information: uh, It wasn't Trenton; it was Teterboro. Teterboro, that is the correct one. I will I will accept that. I it might be Turkey, but I'm pretty sure it's Teterboro. Um, <laughs> um so yeah, they run hey, both the Make it all the way to Turkey, all right? Yeah. Just go over the Atlantic. Right. So. I tr- I tried to set you up to explain the the denouement of sure. this movie, but so no, no, says, no, 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 you turned down the opportunity, Alexander. You get to explain all the things and sometimes I just look at my little track in the later bits as you're explaining a film I don't like and I don't talk at all. So this time I will talk about a film I don't like. Uh, thank you very much. Um so yeah, look, he goes, "Let's get serious." All right, guys. These people, how you know how many times they run your simulation? We had reaction times. You've never been there. They, you know, how many times have they done it and they're like, uh we're just I believe phone it's up. Seven, they, 17. They, they, they go phone up first, Jimmy, because they, they're yes. like, oh shit, we didn't think anyone was going to ask this. So they all huddle back and they, they kind of phone up to get the answer. As Tom Hanks continues to monologue about how really you know, they all did the best they could and blah, blah, blah. And they go, they tried 17 times. And he's like, well, cool, 17 times, great. Look, they're not taking into account reaction speed. They're obviously being told to go straight for LaGuardia as soon as the birds hit, which yeah. is ridiculous because... They've gone through none of the proper safety procedures we did, and they've gone through none of the actual checking of any of the stuff. That is, that makes this an irrelevant test. 
you got to do it. Run it again in these conditions. Run it again. And by this point, you can tell these 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 they're on they're on the back council, ropes. This oh. this council of judging Sully. Oh shit! They've just had the roper dope. They've been roper doped, guys. Holy shit! So they're like, okay, we'll run it again. They're obviously two of these guys next to each other. Yeah, they run it again. They they and say with thirty five seconds. Like they're not allowed to start reacting sure. until thirty five seconds course, after the bird hit. Aaron Eckhart's like, what the shit? Okay, it should be more than thirty five seconds. And Tom Hanks, for the first time in this movie, points out that the entire event only took 217 seconds. Uh, not the first time, actually. There's there's one slightly earlier conversation. It, just before they start running, that famous scene where they start running, um, Tom Hanks says a uh, a very Tom Hanksy line that very clearly Sully, the actual person, which we'll get onto, who's a very boring person, would have definitely not said. Uh, but he's just like... I've been flying for 40 years and I'm going to be judged on 208 seconds because um, he thinks he's badass. But yes, th- this whole thing was 208 seconds. Um, I don't think he thinks he's badass. He doesn't think um, he's badass. But like that line is written boring. as I don't a... Think like, he's at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, you know, he, so sh- short 35 seconds is a fair enough time. They put it in for one One team is running for LaGuardia, one team is going to uh, Tisabra uh, and they both crash. Yes. They both they both straight up crash. Hefty, hefty you know. crash. And, and so in at this the, point, in, the, in the first, decides- I think in the I I quite like it. In the first one they run, um, they just let it crash. The top pilots are completely quiet. They they it just starts going beep beep beep. It, it obstacle near beep beep obstacle near, and then they eventually crash. In the second one, uh, then the woman just very quietly goes. We're too low, and then they crash. Um, I, I like uh, just the it, small addition. Two things, Jamie. Uh, we're missing out maybe my favorite thing in this entire film, which Alyssa, who loves this film, pointed out to me before I even watched it, which is uh, the amount of people going, birds. 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 Yes, birds. Yes. Birds. Yes, th- because it's the last word said just before the the cra- the, the birds hit. Uh, and we see this incident replayed like five times. It's birds. just birds. And it's not even... Birds. Here's the thing. It's not... The first time around, it said, you know... By an actor, so like it, it said with a little, you know, it's still reserved, but it's still a little bit of a feeling. And then after that, I reckon they had those simulations actually run by people by pilots. Yeah. So the performance is just birds, 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 <laughs> birds, birds, <laughs> and um, that's just nuts. You know, that's that's weird. Uh, so of course, at this point, the council of uh, judging Sully. Well, they have been judged. Judge not, lest Sully kick your ass that's right guys they're like dude we're so sorry turns yeah. out you were right there was no uh, way we could have known this except for the most obvious thing which is having done this yeah and so aaron like, Hetcart just goes oh sorry yeah there's also the flight um the flight information but basically like i can't tell if it's a model or if it's just like the flight box or whatever said that the left engine didn't give oh out they, the they recovered the engine, they recovered yeah. they recovered the left engine from the the river that's what happened and yeah. they were like yeah it's because, been completely destroyed you were right because having a dual engine failure at the height they did had never happened before so they said well that can't have happened the left engine didn't give out you could have gone back you were wrong sully and sully's like no both engines gave out and at this point they're like guys this is literally just come in we got we got video footage yeah holy but, shit uh, it's crazy they just pulled the oh, engine out the just river. came in but uh, as it turns out you were right the left engine also gave out yeah and so aaron Eckhart is just like oh so we've seen the simulations how about we see what really happened and then we, <laughs> we get a we get a very dramatic headsets on everyone and everyone in this fucking entire courtroom put headsets on uh to listen to the actual flight uh log or the recording of the the 
um the the comms between uh with tom hanks um but this is now the first time that we see the entire and so again it's the third time from that we've the, from their perspective yeah we've the third maybe fourth time we've seen the the actual crash happen uh but the only time we see it entirely from tom hanks perspective and what happened um yeah. basically yeah they they fly through he keeps on like birds. eyeing up birds obviously birds birds, birds. happen birds happen birds um and then they they keep on flying through. They keep on calling and going like, oh, "We're birds. not really sure." They keep saying birds over and over again. Uh, and then eventually, guess what? They land in the river. Um, and I love how uh, <laughs> I love how undramatic we. It's make it's so, but but I would I will come back. I think the it. way they present it also makes this final one relatively undramatic because you've already seen it so many times. Sure. You've already you already know basically like when you watch it, but it's, Jamie. You're, I feel you're not conveying the true drama that comes across from birds. Okay. Um, <laughs> of course, birds. Um, it is at birds. this point that, that Tom Hanks... So they've they've sort of, with their dreams, flirted with the idea that Sully might be traumatized. Um, and once again, they flirt with that idea. Sully has just had to listen back to and relive the most traumatic experience of his life. Uh, and he goes, can we please step Jamie, outside? he was in the army. He could have had more traumatic experiences. I don't know. Okay. I think it's a pretty he, fucking he, traumatic he, experience, Alexander. Yeah, Jamie, but I don't know. If you're fighting the Viet Cong, maybe that's more scary. Um... So he, they step outside the courtroom, but him and Aaron Eckhart step outside, and it's not to like suddenly like de- they they just step outside to go. <laughs> we did it, aren't we amazing? Like there's no trauma at all. And and then they also, step back in, and the the lead guy goes, uh, "I have listened to countless uh, flight logs from crashes because I'm a fucking sadist, but I've never listened to it with the pilot in front of me." Congratulations, that was one of the most impressive things I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> And then, and then, Alexander, we get the weirdest ending to a film. It's so odd. Um, we uh, basically he. Anagon uh, apologizes. Yes, uh, Anagon is like Anagon apologizes. Like We're really no, no, sorry. The, the, I think the bit of the dialogue is something along the lines of, you know, we've run the simulations, and again, they have literally only in the film. I'm sure in real life this is different, but in the film they have literally only just been proven wrong. Yeah, and she's like. The math doesn't work without you. You it's are the down X. to you, Captain Sullenberg, um, and, and then everyone survived. Tom Hanks gets a Tom Hanks monologue where he's like, it wasn't down to me. It was down to me and my team and my co-pilot and all of the first responders and the city of New York. <laughs> They're the real people that saved me. Um, and then uh, we get... Oh, the the such a terrible ending to this film. Um, Anna Gunn goes to Aaron Eckhart. Is there anything you would have done different? And he goes, "Yeah, I would have done it in July." <laughs> Everyone in the courtroom's laughing. <laughs> no, you faded to black too early. They laugh for about ten seconds, and then it fades to black. It's bonkers how weird this ending to this film is and then over the credits we get uh some shots of sully meeting up with um the the people he saved and they're like the real off. sully yeah the real sully. sully yeah not tom hanks sully the real chelsea sully meeting sully up sullenberger. With chelsea sully sullenberger um so that's the end of this film um so i've already sort of touched on my some some main gripes that i've had with this film um, the, the, the biggest of it being, you know, I'm the biggest fan of a 90 minute film. You know this, Alexander. Oh, I, love I love a 90 minute film. But this is a 90 minute film 
with about 45 minutes worth of content. And they it's like they optioned the film. They were like, oh, great, Sully, everyone knows him. Great, it's amazing. Yeah, let's make a film about him. And then they read the book and they were like, fuck, this guy's boring as shit and there's nothing interesting about this story other than the crash. Fuck, but we've still got to make a 90-minute film. What are we going to do? How about add in 40 extra minutes of the plane crash over and over again? It's just, it's rehashing the same thing over and over again. And so while I try, I get what they're trying to do, where they show you, they show you like the, the perspective of the, the crew and the, um, uh, and the passengers, and they show you the perspective of the air traffic controller guy. And then at the very end, finally, you see the crash from the perspective of Tom Hanks. But by that point, I already know the whole thing. I've heard enough. I've been through it a few times. I get what happened. There's nothing revolutionary about about watching it the third time i don't feel that emotionally connected to it having said that the first time with the air traffic controller i found that genuinely really emotionally affecting it was it was really tense to watch the performances there by patch Dara is fantastic and and i like i was tearing up it was a really stressful like distressing thing to watch and they sort of blew their load on that. So then when I watch it two more times, by the last time I see it, I don't really care. Um, what do you think? Um, look, here's my problem with this film. Uh, when you call your movie Sully Miracle on the Hudson and not Sully Disaster on the Hudson, uh, it's hard to avoid the fact that like it's all going to be okay. Yeah, everyone knows what's um, going to happen. And, and that's fine. That's fine. You don't need a... It doesn't need to be surprises. Obviously, you can do things about real events and they can be interesting. I just think... For me, in this film, I, I, you know, I, I thought it was an interesting recounting of a 217, 208, or however long it is, a second event. But that's not very long. And the whole, like, in... The whole making the bloody... Whoever it's, they are, not the FAA, the, N- sure. the NTSB. Like, that's... Sure, that's NTSB. Yeah, we should talk about that. that. Like, that's completely manufactured. The NTSB yeah. uh, have disputed the series of events here. They were not antagonistic. They were not prosecutorial. They were just going through the standard procedure. that's their job. That's their job. Their job like, is, of course when a plane When a plane is forced to land improperly... Like... I think anywhere, but let alone the fact that, like, if a plane is forced to effectively land on water, like, yes, someone needs to come in and investigate it, because even though they did it in the right case here, if someone had did it in the wrong situation elsewise, that would be bad for everyone. Yeah, so you have to investigate all cases. Like, the, the report for this is 220 pages long. I've not read all of it, but I've read parts of it. Um, and yeah, like it's just it's just laying out in specific detail, like very specifically, okay, there wasn't any fault with the air traffic control. There wasn't any fault with airport procedure. There wasn't any fault with when this took off. They have to go through this procedure. They have to find out if there was anything that could have caused this. Now, of course, New York State has decided that geese were the problem <laughs> and therefore started, started to I mean, mass murder geese. Were geese were the problem. The geese literally were the problem problem in this situation jamie it's not like <laughs> the geese didn't have this coming all right well yeah, that's what this, that's what, that that's what this film haram- should have been jamie i feel really sad that they had to kill all those harambes to stop planes <laughs> from crashing all right that's the important that's thing. what this film should have been is sully sullenberger on his lifelong quest to murder every canada goose after they ruined its life <laughs> but but as i described it to last night um it is very much the case that if i woke up <laughs> 
and next to me Alyssa had been murdered with a knife sticking out of her chest, I would want the police to investigate me even if I hadn't stabbed my girlfriend. Yes. Because they need to, like, make sure that everything is okay. I, Otherwise, everyone will go around for the rest of my life being like, Al stabbed his girlfriend. I, I, I agree with your conclusion, Alexander. I worry that this was your first thought. <laughs> And I worry how Alyssa feels right now that you were like, after that film, you were like, hey, what if you woke up with a knife in your chest? And I'd be like, oh, I hope it wasn't me. (laughs) But yeah, like, and I think, I think Clint Eastwood has, has also tried to counterclaim saying, oh, we don't make them the bad guys in this film. But that's like, oh, they are. They're like cartoonishly evil to begin with. They are, they are very much the antagonists. Not that Sully is trying to do anything other than no, get back to but, his normal but that, life. But that also but like, points to the they, fact that there's just very little conflict in this story. They like this this story at the end of the day is not actually that interesting. It's an incredible two hundred and eight second event, as you said. But the actual story's not that interesting. I know Christ, um Clint Eastwood has later gone on to do and I think it's the it's like the five fourteen from Paris, right? Which is a uh, film he's done about the um, I think it's like a terror attack on a, on the train going out from Paris, or the, the knife yes, attack from the train yes, from Paris. Uh, like, yeah, Ellen was talking to me about this film earlier. Sure, I haven't seen it, but I know the, the kind of event, and it, it's another like it was a sixty second event, and they tell it lots of different times, lots of different angles, and in that case, I think they give more of like these, uh, you know, this more characterization of these guys. With Sully, I honestly think a better thing to have done would be to have approached it from. Like te- told more individual stories about these people going onto this yes. plane, yeah, and yeah. then almost just do it like um, weirdly to give this comparison to this film in a positive way, but structure it a bit like uh, Cloud Atlas and have it be the first half of the film is before the plane hits the water, right? Yeah. So you kind of even if it's just like Sully is getting in, like I would maybe whatever Sully's the, the the outer story of this and he's getting investigated all this kind of crap and then you go in and you go in and you go in and you go in or even like Sully's the middle story or whatever um so the outer story let's say is the investigator and then the middle story is like Sully's story um and in between you have the other stuff you have the guy who does the um air traffic control you have a couple patients all that kind of stuff so even just some of the plot threads they had maybe you like make out I don't know a bit more characterization of some of these inner characters and i think you could have a slightly more interesting version of this is the same 218 seconds again and again and again and again um but as is it's just like the way i described it is i, I was talking to us about this and i was like well why did they make a film about this like it's it's impressive sure but it's a very like it's a very um, new york story we'll, we'll, we'll get on to okay that. we'll get on to that we'll get on to that um so but yeah like, let's let's get on to that now no no no, no. Uh, finish, finish, okay yeah but yeah finish, finish, finish your point finish your point I'll, sure my point basically was i think it's a very like he's a new york hero yeah. but i don't think he's like a global hero no. or a national hero it's right? such a new like, york story and and they and they make very specific reference to it but in fact it obviously is... the kind of the reason why i had such a good reaction in new york is new york doesn't have a good history of planes and as they show this could have been a disaster not necessarily on the scale of 9-11 but another airplane disaster in new york and that would have been traumatic for the people who already gone through so much trauma yeah, and I can understand why it's important to New York. I can't understand why the whole world needs to f- see a film no. of what was an what was an impressive two hundred seconds. Isn't isn't in story. fact the last thing you see before the credits? They like flash up and say like 
the New York spirit lived on or something like that. Like that, it's it's something the, silly like, something like that. Like they that. have the last, like the, the, the last the the card before goes to black is basically says um you know the plane crashed one hundred fifty five people two hundred forty four you know two thousand four hundred uh New Yorkers mobilized to help save these people uh you know they they did this within twenty four minutes it was all they were yes. all, all these passengers were saved in twenty four minutes. Yeah, a rescue then, the flight. Uh, I've I've got it here. Wait, it's it's waiting for the fucking last. The best of New York came together. It took them twenty four minutes. This film is so aggressively New York, and you know what? I'm, congratulations. I'm sure everyone who was involved in that uh, saving of the people. We'll get onto whether the actual uh, uh, feat itself was that impressive. But the, all the people coming together. <laughs> we'll, uh, we will get onto that, Alexander. We will get onto it. Um, oh but yeah, God. I'm sure all of the people who responded quickly and the first responders who saved uh, these people who were trapped in the Hudson was great. But but it's so aggressively New York, and New York has this like. It's the fucking uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld put out his piece recently. You're like, oh, New York's not dying. We'll be just fine, thanks. And New York just has this wanky image of itself. And I will say this as someone who loves London and thinks London is the best place in the world. I still don't think we have that wanky of a, oh, we're built different. You know, New uh, Yorkers, we're, I, we're I'm proper. Sorry, Jamie, I'm really, I'm really sorry. I have known so many people and like, I think you'll get this a little bit from having gone to St. Andrews, but you've lived in London most of your life. Yes. The, and it, it, I think it might be even a, I think it may even be like a class thing. Like the, it's the poshest people I know who are like this, but I know, I've, I have known and have the conversations with so many fucking people from London who believe <laughs> that the culture and like the world ends after the M. Like they just believe that once you get to Surrey, like a little bit into Surrey and then that's it. The world fucking ends. And oh, then no, anything no, after that no, is no, barbarian. No, that's, that's, that's absolutely correct. That that London itself is better than anywhere else in the world, and if you leave the M25, you are going into a dearth of just a swamp it's, land. There is, but there is the but, eter- but, the but, eternal- but 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 but. Londoners are not. Londoners suck. Londoners are terrible. Yeah, yeah. No one thinks no Londoners one are great. London. No one in London likes Londoners. That's the difference. New Yorkers think that New Yorkers are the best. They they are built sure. different. Well. Now but I think they think, okay. that, but, they, but they they also think New Yorkers are mean. Here's the thing: yeah. New Yorkers are most like Parisians in that they suck and no one likes them. <laughs> yes, but they love but themselves. But they love themselves, and the city's great. So people move there, and eventually they become one of them. Now, London is just a fucking. I would like to get on to my main, main, main takeaway from this film, Alexander, which was that watching this film, I learned that the Hudson's pretty fucking wide. <laughs> I heard. I've never been to New York. I went in 2009 when I heard that uh, Chelsea Sully Sullenberger had landed a plane on the Hudson River. My main reference point for a river was the Thames. (laughs) And you know. Yes, exactly. Stop outside of London. (laughs) Exactly. And you know how wide the Thames is? 200 meters. You know how wide the Hudson is? Over a kilometer. <laughs> so I'm just saying, this is the widest <laughs> runway that Sully has ever landed on. <laughs> so earlier, earlier in this podcast, I made a reference to this recurring bit in yes. uh, Prince uh, of Benefits. In Prince of Benefits. <laughs> 
where Justin Timberlake, every time he's on a plane, <laughs> and it's like such a weird character bit they have him do, but feels compelled to talk to the person next to him about how he doesn't think that this was impressive at all. And because the plane of how, basically yeah, landed yeah, how intelligent modern planes are. <laughs> so, you know what? All I'm saying, Hudson wide, plane good. I don't think it's that impressive. <laughs> So just and, and eventually in the film, Mila Kunis, like he says to Mila Kunis when they go to LA, Mila oh. Kunis turns to him and goes, "No one cares, and you sound like an asshole." And Jamie, <laughs> uh, look, clearly it, it's one of those. Th- I I think I I agree oh. with you in spirit, which is <laughs> that like ultimately an event that happens over two hundred eighteen seconds or two hundred eight seconds, oh. whatever it was, is dramatic. But that does not mean there is drama there. Yeah. Like, that doesn't mean there's a narrative there or something like that. When you have something which is longer, so even an hour, two hours, whatever, suddenly there are dynamics in play. But in that case, it was a disaster movie. So something I like, like the day after tomorrow or something. But the disaster is very short. Yeah. So it's man, it's man versus, uh, you know, machine. But but it's but also it's even more pitched, like it's almost more pitched that, as like, like man against the system, but like yeah. the system is pitched as unrealistically mean. Well, exactly, and and because of that, it's they have the central drama, which everyone knows, and they can't get enough out of that, so they have to create this outer drama where people are just doing their jobs and investigating a plane crash, and you know neither of them are really that compelling, and I I, I know a lot of people disagree. This made a lot of money. I know Alyssa really likes this film. Um, and I don't think it's a bad film. I just think it's like a kind of interesting read. Like, oh, okay, I know more about this thing. But if you compare it to something like Captain Phillips, which is an event which has drama in it because yeah. there are dynamics in play and I don't know character growth, like, and like tension is necessary for a plot. The tension in the plot and this is result after the first time you see the plane crash. And then after that, it's okay, we'll see it in different ways, but there's not more tension. Yeah, I think um, I think that's that's a great comparison to, to Captain Phillips. Like there's just so much more tension and, and plot resolution with that. As you say, once you once you've seen it once, the the big build up to seeing it from the perspective of the cockpit doesn't really work. Yeah. Um let's, 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 like oh, say, yeah. the final the final tension is all the way through the film, uh, Sully keeps going. Oh, I'm looking to start my flight safety business. Uh, that's what I'm gonna like. And before he even crashes the plane, he's like, "I want this flight safety business." And then the tension kind of is like, "Oh, he'll lose his job and not be able to open up, like, not be able to stop flying and open up his flight safety business." But I do not care. <laughs> uh, Laura Linney is in this film and is woefully underused. She's yeah. just on a couple of phone calls. In fact, uh, in fact. I don't think, are they ever even on the, in no. like on the same, they're never no. in the same space, are they? They're always on the phone. Like Laura Linney, Laura Linney filmed for this film for like five hours in one location. Like also, oh, wait, no, I'll, I'll come on to it later. Um, <laughs> um, yes. So for people who have listened to uh, this podcast for, no, we rate these films on three different ratings. We give the film itself a rating out of five. Uh, we give Tom Hanks's performance out of five. And then we do the Tom Hanks dick meter. How much was a, of a dick was Tom Hanks's character in this film? Uh, and then we decide whether it goes in the Hanks bag, the collection of TV shows and movies. We're going to show to the uh, aliens to prove our worth to join the United States of space. So we've, we've talked this film uh, to death. What, what, what are your final thoughts in your rating, Alexander? Um, so here's my thing. Uh, I want to introduce a new, not let's say a ranking, but an award. All right? Okay. 
And it's called the Tom. It seems bold with only like five episodes left. That's no, no, it's fine. We can carry it over to the new podcast. It's called the Thirst Award. Okay, and it's when you think someone is trying to get an Oscar, you give it a Thirst Award. Oh my god, we have not talked about that. Yes, of course. This is oh, this is such a fucking Oscar bait, and it and it flopped. It got one nomination for an Oscar for sound mixing, and that's it. This was such an obvious attempt to try and win an Oscar, like ridiculously so. And for a lot of this, Tom Hanks has been, uh, I think, the, you know, since I think at least Captain Phillips, maybe a little bit earlier, like Tom Hanks has clearly been trying to get a third Oscar. Yeah. And Captain like, Phillips, I think Bridge he... of Spies, this, you then have The Post, A Beautiful the Day Post. in the Neighborhood. Like these are all, he's the, desperate. And they're all, those campaigns for all of them, I believe. Yeah. And like, I I don't know how much he's desperate because he, he kind of alternates it where he does like one blockbuster movie, one like movie where it seems to be like serious movie but it seems they like, trying to win an oscar and then one playtone film seems to be the kind of like yeah. cycle he does things in in terms of production but this this definitely gets the tom hanks thirst award yeah uh, up front uh and and regardless of who it is next it will be the tom hanks thirst award. okay um but yeah like it's a it's it's a well-made film it is um you know i respect that uh two things about clint eastwood one, that time he shouted at a chair. I think chairs <laughs> need to be shouted at more. Uh, and two, of course, that he was the mayor of uh, Carmel, the town from which our friends Jared and Noah are from. Yeah. Uh, he, which is such a weird thing he did in the 90s, I think. Yeah. Um, just became a mayor of a town. Sure, why not? Um, look, it's well made. It's fine. It's I, I, I can almost guarantee if you watch this film, you will neither be bored nor will you really like... I, I would be surprised anyone having strong negative reactions to this film. Mm. Um, I don't think it's great, but, uh, you know, it, it's entirely watchable. It's short. It, it, it's inoffensive. It tells an interesting story. It tells us, okay, it tells a story about an interesting event. Yeah. Rather than an interesting story. But yeah. So I would give it a three. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I was wavering between like a 2.5 and a three. Um I think Tom Tom Hanks. Well, we'll get on to Tom Hanks' performance, but I think he does a good performance. I think Aaron Eckhart does a good performance, uh, and they they sort of carry this film. And then the tench, the inherent tension of the event, even especially in the first couple times you see it, um, mm. is is good. That there's there's tension around a plane crash, unsurprisingly, even if you know the the outcome. And and they play with that quite well, although the structure of the film diminishes that impact as it goes along, um, because this film, like like I say, I think they made it, they optioned this film because they were like, this will sell like hotcakes because everyone has heard of this event, and they weren't incorrect with that. Like How like much this film, uh, two hundred forty million on a sixty million dollar budget, like that's that's a good that's a good make back, and it had a very good opening weekend, um, and and that's that's because people have heard of this event and they like it's it's interesting to see it dramatized but they seem to option it and decide to do that and then realize that there's no story to tell um so they had to fluff it to make it 90 minutes and and include a very long uh it's like 96 minutes and that includes a very long credit sequence as well um so yeah i'm i'm gonna give it a three as well um on tom hanks performance as i say i so i've watched a couple of interviews with uh sully uh himself he's a very boring man uh which is unsurprising 
He was a pilot for 40 years. Of course he's boring. He was in the military. Um, he's, he's a boring man. He's old. It's fine. He's allowed to be boring. Not everyone who commits potentially, depending on your opinion, heroic acts <laughs> uh, has to be interesting. But Tom Hanks does a Tom Hanks here. And he does. We, we, we've seen it before. There were a couple of moments in it in this where I was just like, fuck, Tom Hanks is good. He can do a lot with very little. He has a very expressive face. And so he can just you can just read so much into uh, the the depth of his thoughts just through looking at his face. And that's that's a that's a thing that few actors can do. And that's why Tom Hanks gets paid so much money and why he's so successful. And so he makes a person who is very boring into quite a, like an interesting enough character um so so I, I did like his performance i i i think it's a four i i don't think it's higher than that i don't think it's lower than that so so for me it comes down to one i think this is the most physical transformation tom hanks has ever done for a role and he um, di- dyed his hair white and got grew a mustache all right he had a mustache not not as good as aaron eckhart's mustache and that's that's oh, gonna that's carry a strong my fucking score. mustache that's, I was talking to Alyssa, and I'm like, Aaron Eckhart should play the dad in the Inside Out when they do the live-action version of that film. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, um, that's, that's great costume. I, I desperately want that moustache so people know I'm a man. I know I have a you know a semi-beard, but I would like Aaron Eckhart's moustache in this, uh, and people would respect me more. Um, look, I think it's a good, fine performance. It, you know, what I will describe it as, and this is as a much weaker version of this, and I think I've probably used this analogy before, but uh, years ago, a couple of years ago, uh, Andrew Scott was in Hamlet mm-hmm. on the not on the West End, but in London, and um, it was utterly fantastic. I really loved it, and he gave this brilliant performance where he made Shakespeare sound as though something like he, he was coming up with, right? Like the delivery was so thoroughly psychologically whatever realized that it felt like he like Shakespearean dialogue felt naturalistic, which is maybe not what Shakespearean dialogue is meant to sound like but sure it really works the issue with that play if i had one was that no one else was on giving a similar performance everyone else was acting shakespeare and they were doing the shakespearean rhythm and they were doing you know about me and all that kind of stuff and andrew scott was just like fucking being hamlet and it was great but it sort of didn't match and maybe that was a choice here tom hanks is giving a good tom hanks performance a fine tom hanks performance everyone else is giving I, I know you liked the air traffic controller. I wasn't moved by that sequence. I think everyone else is giving, like, weirdly um, naturalistic performances. A bit like in Captain Phillips, where they use kind of non-professional actors and stuff. And it felt like maybe non-professional actors, were, uh, you know, uh, were used. Except Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks and Aaron Eckhart and the actors of the movie, the big-named actors of the movie, were acting. And then everyone else was, for me, in a different movie. They, they were sort of jarring with that and I, I didn't feel like mesh and that kind of clash for me i think overall i would give it a three uh because his mustache wasn't good enough <laughs> i give it a three anyway but i like saying that for comedy uh right um, the the tom hanks dick meter how much of a dick do you think sully sullenberger is alexander i'm gonna give him a zero i can't give him a negative because uh of course anyone can land the plane um <laughs> um so uh not with not notwithstanding whether uh whether i believe this person is a hero or not there is a specific scene uh just after the crash has happened and he calls his wife he calls laura linney 
uh, and he goes, and she goes, oh, hey, you off the plane? And he goes, oh, not really. Uh, turn on the news. And then she goes, what? And he goes, I, I don't really have time. Turn on the news. And she goes, what? And he goes, I had to land in the Hudson. And she goes, what do you mean? And he goes, I love you. Bye. And I think that's a really mean thing to do to your wife. <laughs> I think that, like, I get he's just gone through quite a traumatic event. But that is a horribly, traumatically mean thing to do to his wife. So I'm going to give him a three. <laughs> I immediately watched that and I thought, what? That's so horrible. Why are you doing this? Um, and Alexander, is this going in your Hanks bank? Uh, Jamie, it's no hologram for the king. No. <laughs> I forgot that Holocaust of the King went in your hands. Like, I fucking hate you. <sighs> I love that film so much. I'd watch, I'd watch that film again twice in one day rather than watch this film again. Okay. So, you, you I said ask, no. Yeah, you're going to ask me a question? Oh, oh, oh. Um, what are you having for tea? Uh, I'm having uh, soup with focaccia that my lovely flatmate bought from a market nearby. Oh, and uh, are you going to... Uh, put this in your hacks bank. Alexander. Son of a bitch. I I can't really explain what's about to happen. But this film is going in my hacks bank. <laughs> I can't oh, I can't explain it. I, I well I can to an extent. Um but I would like to preface it with I have so many criticisms of this film. Way more than any other film that's probably gone in my hacks bank. I think it structurally is weird. I think it, it really probably shouldn't have been made. It, there's not enough of a story here. It's not a super intriguing plot. But there's, there's two reasons why this is going on my Hanks bank. Firstly, I do think there are a couple of scenes, like you, you may not have engaged with it, but that, that air traffic controller scene is going to stick with me for a while. I, I, was, I was very invested in that scene as the first, the first depiction of the, of the full event and seeing it from a perspective that you wouldn't expect to see it and seeing the trauma that it can, that how, how an event like this can traumatize just so wide uh, more than you would expect. We should say, sorry, we never, we never touched on it. There is a scene later in the film where this guy is told that he didn't, uh, was not witness to the murder of 155 people. And it's very relieving for him. Um, but that, that scene especially will stick with me, but there's another reason. We are presenting uh, our case to the aliens of humanity's worth. And and you know what? I think the city of New York might just be the thing that's going to convince the aliens that we are worth saving because New Yorkers are built different. I don't think you understand. We've, we've yet to show the aliens the true spirit of New York. And I may be being facetious because of course I am, but this is still going in my Hanks bank because I believe the aliens deserve to see something, you know, the, 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 the height of humanity's ability. Um, which is to uh, land a plane on the widest runway ever seen. Two things. One, I appreciate that your motto is uh, New Yorkers are built different, Londoners are built worse. Uh, I can't <laughs> help but agree. Uh, and two, I can not 
believe you would put this in your Hanks bank, but you didn't put in a hologram for the king, Jamie. Uh. Where are the holograms in this film? There are no holograms. Where's someone lancing a cancerous ulcer on his back off with a steak knife? Where's the sex? Where's the clearly Laura Linney and Tom Hanks in this film are are, are just are just in a loveless marriage. All right, I, I hate to say it. But <laughs> well, I mean, we I, never even see them the touch each other. Exactly. They're not even in the same room. There's no raw animal heat in the desert as the people want to get it on because they're on a plane. All right. I hope you're happy. Jamie, before last week, we hadn't put different things in the Hanks Banks for years. And by years, I mean, I think the whole year. Back to back, back to back alternating opinions. Um, But of course, Uh... when something does not go in a Hanks Bank, you have to decide what's going to save humanity this week. I have decided that Sully, Chelsea, Sully, Sullenberger, colon, miracle on the Hudson is going to be saving humanity this week. So it is no, down to no, you. you just, no, you didn't. No, you didn't decide he is. Just, just the movie. Just the movie. So, just the movie. Not Mr. Sully. Mr. Sully doesn't get to go in your hands back. Only the film does. I maybe, could pick maybe Sully, I'll put, maybe, I could pick the Chelsea, Sully, Sullenberger if I wanted to. Or you could pick I Sully, Sully from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, tempting, tempting. Jamie, uh, you mentioned for catcher, and I, I think I might have put this in my hangs band before. I'll put it in again because I miss it. Uh, look, there's a, a place called uh, Brockwell Blend uh, yep. down in uh, Brixton, kind of near Tulsa, um, well near Brockwell Park as well. And uh, Bruno and Megan run that place. Bruno makes the best for catcher in the goddamn world. Some very good for catcher, and like. It's been very tough not being able to see my family, and my friends, for the past nine months. It has been equally tough <laughs> not being able to have that for catcher. Are, when are I you happy Christmas... with that statement going out on a podcast that I do believe your mum listens to? Oh, God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I hope she doesn't listen to it. Just download it, mum. You don't have to listen to it. Just download it for the numbers. All right, that's you don't have to listen to it. It's okay. Uh, look, I love them a lot, but I know for a fact, for a fact, if I went, I will obviously come see you guys whenever I'm eventually allowed to come back to London. Part of that will also be so I can go get a load of focaccia to take back to my family. Um, I think about this nearly every day. I've lost a lot of weight this year. I'm not going to lie. Probably at least half of it has been because I haven't eaten focaccia every day for a year. Because I ate focaccia about four days a week for my breakfast. And And I gained so much weight off it. And you know what, guys? It was so fucking And the other half is that you haven't been getting the objectively too much chicken deal once a week. Oh, man. You know what? Apparently apparently living next to a chicken shop uh, for catcher and then uh, lots of pubs I could go to with my friends was not good for me losing weight. <laughs> that's that's not a good thing. And uh, apparently, uh, as and I said, apparently before, instead of living a catch- pandemic, that's that's the new that's your new workout new plan. That's uh, the new diet. The new diet. As I explained to my mum, my mum was like, "Oh, you know, people can say you're looking really good." And I was like, "Well, sure. All you have to do is move very far away from your family, be in lockdown, where the only time you can go outside is exercise, and uh, have no one to go to the pub with, and you will lose weight." That's that's the that that's the secret. So that is our review of Chelsea Sally Sullenberger Miracle on the Hudson. Uh, uh, Jamie, a... no, it's not. Uh, well, you haven't asked me what goes in my hands bag. I did. You just said oh, it was for catcher. We we literally, li- we literally just literally had a five minute did. conversation around for catcher. What do you did. think that was about? I could put something else in. Of course, I put the focaccia. <laughs> okay. right. Not not any fancy kind. I just want the regular kind of focaccia. Right. Okay, fantastic. Um, so uh, you can follow us at Jamie P. Watson at Al underscore C's underscore stuff at Al at Hanks Bank Pod. 
Uh, tweet at us if our lovely clues about who our sequel um, podcast might be about has uh, has tickled your fancies. I don't know. I'm I'm running out of steam here, Alexander. What else can people do? All right, guys. Uh, I want you to start a large-scale infiltration of your local government. Uh, not for any nefarious purpose, of course. I just want you to do it solely for the intention of uh, making sure that everyone within your local government downloads the Hank Spank. That's right. I want you to download the entire thing. We're coming up to, what, God, 80 episodes now? Yeah, something like that, between 70 and 80. Download all of them. That might be their entire hard drive of space. Do you ever think about that? How, like, that's a lot of space. That's like 30 to 40 gigabytes if you downloaded all of our podcasts. Do it. I don't care if it's a lot of space. Delete everything else. Download Hank's Bank. Then what I want you to do is, like, I don't know, make paper airplanes and then write, download Hank's Bank so they paper airplanes and then throw them off bridges. Just so they land on cars, and the car person's like, oh, okay, I'll stop in the middle of the motorway and open this up. They won't get hit because they'll be protected by the power of Hank's Bank. Fun fact. Uh, you know, New Yorkers, I love you. We all love you. Uh, we make a lot of fun of you. I don't think we have any listeners in New York. But if we do, make sure that all the cool people in New York know that the cool thing is to listen to Hank's Bank. Look, Ironically, no, no New Yorkers are listening to this podcast. New Yorkers are built different. They've, ev- they've evolved past the need for podcasts, Alexander. Yeah, New Yorkers listen to radio, all right? <laughs> podcast before it was cool from me jamie and my co-host al that's one more app in the bank landing in a river isn't it so difficult it's like a kilometer wide hank's bank